You know, it's during times like this when our faith is tested. It's easy to have faith when everything's going well, isn't it? And things are just sailing along. Uh, but the rubber meets the road of faith in what we choose to do uh, when it's difficult. And I thank God for the faithful people of Curtis Corner Baptist Church. We just have such a tremendous uh, group of church folks here. And I sure do love each and every one of you, those that are here, those watching online. Prayed for all of you and your families this morning. And looking forward to seeing you as soon as God permits. Luke chapter 17. We're going to dive into the scriptures this morning. <clears throat> We've been preaching a series on faith. Luke chapter 17, today we continue our series on faith. We're going to read verses 3 through 5. I'll read and you follow along. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 through 5, the Word of God says, Take heed to yourselves, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for this portion of scripture we read here this morning. And Lord, we pray along with the disciples, increase our faith. Sometimes there are situations in life that just seem to require more faith than we have at the moment. And I pray that we'd understand that faith can be increased, and through this a simple Bible message this morning, you'd teach us how we can increase our faith. And so please speak through me to each and every heart. Glorify yourself. Make us more like thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever wished you had more faith? I think all of us have. I think we've all come upon obstacles or situations where it just seemed like we didn't have the faith to do what was required of us. We didn't have the faith to go forward through the circumstances that lie before us. And as I was praying about this concept of faith and the, the messages that God would have us preach on this subject, this idea of increase our faith uh, kept coming up. And so today we talk about this uh, incredible prayer that, that the apostles prayed, Lord, increase our faith. Now, in our text, the Lord Jesus is teaching the apostles some hard lessons on forgiveness. Forgiveness is necessary. Do you believe that? Forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness from God for your sin is necessary for you to go to heaven. Forgiveness you forgiving others is necessary for you to obey the Lord. And so just as God forgave us, he expects us to forgive others. We must even forgive the same person repeatedly if they repent. Now this blew the disciples' minds. Uh, understand that in the old Jewish law, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, uh, in in the even in the Bible, God would often forsake His people. You know, if you cross me one too many times, it's over. I'm done with you. Uh, and the idea of you being dead to me, someone being dead to me, you know, it's it's like you you've you've crossed me for the last time. You've hurt me for the last time. You're dead to me. I'm I'm done with you. And Jesus said, No, we're going to take that out of the way. If someone sins against you and they repent, rebuke them. They repent, you have to forgive them. Well, Lord, how many times? In another passage of Scripture, the disciples asked, how many times do we have to forgive them? Even seven times? You know, and in Peter's mind, the idea that I would forgive the same guy seven times was unthinkable. And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And the disciples' mind just blew their mind. How is this possible? And it's interesting, their response was, Lord increase our faith lord you're asking us to do something that we don't know how to do i can't imagine living that way god i don't have the faith to do what you're asking me to do have you ever been there i think we all have if you're serious about following the lord 
Lord, I don't have the faith to give what you want me to give. I don't have the faith to go where you want me to go. I don't have the faith to speak what you want me to speak. I don't have the faith to forgive like you want me to forgive. I don't have the faith to follow where you want me to follow. The list goes on and on. Blew the disciples' minds. And forgiveness is one of the most difficult duties of the Christian life. It's contrary to fleshly wisdom that says, if you hurt me, I hurt you. If you hurt me, I'll hurt you worse. God says, no, forgive. Forgiveness requires the elevation of petty feelings like offense, anger, malice, and revenge. Forgiveness is godly. There's no doubt in my mind, according to the scripture, that unforgiveness is a sin. If I refuse to forgive people in my life, it's a sin. I also believe that unforgiveness is one of the most hurtful and ignored sins among Christians. You say, preacher, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. Do you have unforgiveness? Do you have bitterness? Do you have anger, malice, thoughts of revenge? Folks, those are devilish. And Jesus here teaching his disciples, they would be the leaders of Christianity as he left. He said, guys, you've got to get this thing down. Forgiveness. You have to understand forgiveness and give it. Now, this is not a message about forgiveness today, but it is a worthy study for you to do another time. And we have uh, sermons online. I was looking at at some of uh, our website this week. We have over 350 sermons online that people can go on and listen to. Can you believe that? That's hard to believe. Uh, So there are messages on forgiveness that you can look at our website, and I think it's it's a worthy study. We don't have the time this morning uh, to discuss what forgiveness is, the levels of forgiveness, how to forgive, all of those things. This is not primarily a message about forgiveness. Today we focus on the phrase, Lord, increase our faith. This was the apostle's response in his teaching on forgiveness. Lord, increase our faith. The disciples recognized they didn't have faith strong enough to take the next step of obedience to God. They needed more faith. Now, this is a great idea for us to understand. The idea that we need more faith to accomplish God's will can be applied to many areas of life. And as you grow in grace, you will need to increase your faith if you're going to continue following God. It's a sad fact that some people have stopped following Christ because they felt their inability to obey what is expected. Do you know anybody like that? They just said, I, I, can't, follow, I can't follow Christ. I, I, can't, I can't obey Him. I can't do what's expected. And here's a, a life-changing truth. That is absolutely true if you try to follow Christ in your own strength. It is impossible for you and I to follow Christ in our own strength. The Christian life is a supernatural life. It is a God-empowered life where God, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the eternal wisdom of His Word, He teaches us to rise above this carnal world and live like Him. It's impossible for us to live like God in the power of our own flesh. You can't try hard enough. You can't do better enough. But you can't ask for more faith. This is the powerful lesson of the disciples. They had enough wisdom to know, Lord, we don't know how to do this, but we know you can help us do it. Increase our faith. Give us the faith to do what you're asking us to do. What a powerful lesson. And this could be applied to all of our areas of our lives. Think about the power of this request. Increase our faith. This request acknowledged the presence of their faith. They were saying, Lord, we have some faith. And by the way, it's a good thing to have some faith. But they also said, Lord, our faith is imperfect. Our faith is immature. Our faith is weak. But then this request also said, we have a desire for our faith to increase. 
I think we could all agree with that today. We have some faith. We understand that our faith is imperfect, but we want to increase our faith. We have a desire for our faith to grow. And if that's you, then this prayer of Lord increase our faith is so powerful and so vital for you and I today. When we talk about faith, E.M. Bounds made the following observations about faith. He said, faith is not an abstract belief in the word of God, nor a mere mental credence, nor a simple assent of the understanding and will, nor is it a passive acceptance of the fact, however sacred or thorough. Faith is an operation of God, a divine illumination, a holy energy implanted by the word of God and the spirit in the human soul, a spiritual divine principle which makes of the supernatural and makes it a thing apprehendable by the faculties of time and sense. Those are flowery words to say, listen, faith is not, is not some vacuous idea or some thought. Faith is something that God gives to us, and it takes what is supernatural and makes it attainable for us. Now, before we look at how we can increase our faith, as the apostles asked, Let me make just four quick statements by introduction just to lay a foundation. Let me say first, the Christian life begins with saving faith. Now, we've talked about that uh, recently in uh, a more thorough manner, but the Christian life begins with saving faith. This is the kind of faith that results in the forgiveness of sin and the salvation of the soul. So what is saving faith? Saving faith is a reliance on the truth of the gospel as revealed in the word of God. So what's the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15 says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, and was raised again according to the scriptures. So the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to pay for the sins of mankind. And saving faith is whenever I take my faith, whatever little faith I have, and I place that in the gospel. Belief in the gospel is what saves the soul. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I could give you dozens and dozens of verses that talk about it is faith that changes the destination of the human soul. If you don't believe in Christ, the Bible says the wrath of God abides on you. Now listen, folks, uh, I've made some people mad in my time. I remember making my mama mad. I remember making my daddy mad. I've made bosses mad. We all know what it's like to have people mad at us. But you ain't ever seen nothing like the wrath of God. The wrath of God. That holy indignation poured out upon sin. That's nothing that you want a part of. I guarantee you. The Bible says the eternal destination for those that reject Christ is a place of eternal torment where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. We call it hell. There's only two destinations someone can go when they die. They either go to heaven to be with God through faith in Christ or they go to hell to be tormented forever. Say, what do I have to do to go there? Reject Jesus. That's all. Of all the sins that mankind are guilty of, there's one sin that sends a soul to hell ultimately. And that is the sin of unbelief. John 3.18 says we are condemned already. Why? Because we've not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Only two destinations. And it's saving faith that begins the Christian life. We are born again through faith in Christ. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Can you imagine that there is a way you can know for sure you're going to heaven? Now, I think the people in this room, and the people who are a part of our church, we might take that for granted. Oh, I I know. I I know, Pastor. I, I know we can have confidence we're going to heaven. Do you understand that most of the world, even many that that call on the name of Christ, have no confidence that they're going to go to heaven? I hope I hope I'll make it. I, I hope so. 
No, you can know so through faith in Christ and have that confidence of heaven. When we agree with God that we are sinners in need of a Savior and we believe in our hearts in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we become the children of God. This is the beginning of Christian faith. This is where faith starts. Let me say the second thing by way of introduction. Faith can grow. Faith can grow. See, some people, they get saved and they never, they never go to church. They never learn the Bible. They, they never commit to following Christ. And they, their faith doesn't grow. They stay like these newborn babes that the Bible talks about, but they stay babies. Now, you and I, if we know people and there's certain types of genetic disorders and different things where someone can be born, but their body doesn't grow, we would look at that and say, well, that's that's abnormal. That's not that's not how God intended it to be. And it's the same way with Christianity in a spiritual sense, my friend. If you don't grow after you're saved, if you don't follow the Lord in baptism, get yourself in a church, commit yourself to Christ, begin to grow and have your faith increase, that is abnormal. That's not the way God intended. So we found out that Faith begins, Christian faith begins at salvation, and then God intends our faith to grow after salvation. Uh, I think of 1 Peter 2, 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. And just as a newborn baby must gain strength and learn how to live in this world as they grow, the new Christian must feed on the word of God and mature over time. And their faith grows. Uh, This idea that faith can grow is important. Let me give you two more verses to consider. 2 Thessalonians 1.3. Think about this as I read it. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. And so here he says, listen, your faith is growing exceedingly. You're growing Christians, this young church, this uh, Thessalonican church. The Apostle Paul was so excited that their faith was growing. And I'll just say today, it's exciting to see a Christian's faith grow. It's exciting to see someone get saved and commit to Christ and start following the Lord and get serious about the things of God. And they begin to grow and their life begins to change because their faith changes how they live daily in this life. It's an exciting thing. Let me give you another verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Now, the first one we saw, these people were growing, and it was exciting. And in this second verse, we see that the Apostle Paul wanted their faith to grow. He wanted their faith to increase. And it's the hope of every pastor, parent, teacher, and mentor that the people we work with, their faith grows. I want your faith to grow. And as we live in this world and the longer we're saved, our faith should be growing and increasing. Don't let your faith get stunted. Don't reach a plateau and say, I'm not going to go any further. Your faith can grow. And it should grow. And God wants it to grow. Let me say next by way of introduction. Faith comes from God. Have you ever thought about that? Where does faith come from? Does faith come from the goodness of your own heart? Do you somehow work up faith out of nowhere? Can you create faith out of nothing? No, faith comes from God. God created us as creatures of faith, and we discussed that in a previous message, so I won't go back through that. But faith comes from God. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Great verse, Hebrews chapter 12. And we often think of verse 1, but let's look at verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 2, the Word of God says, Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. So who's the author of our faith? Jesus. 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. And aren't you glad that he, finished, he finishes what's he, what he starts? Amen. Then we learned recently also that God has given to every man the measure of faith in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. So faith comes from God. That means faith is increased as God gives it to us. See, now it begins to make sense how the disciples could pray, Lord, increase our faith. They saw him as the fount of faith. If I'm going to get new faith, it needs to come from Christ. And we can notice that here today. Let me say lastly, by way of introduction, that as our faith grows, all other graces increase. See, if you think about this, faith is the foundation of the Christian life, faith in God and His Word. So when our personal faith grows, and remember, our faith is our personal measure of our confidence in God. So when Paul Chapman's faith grows, then that benefits every other area of my life. It's that old saying, a rising tide lifts all ships. Faith in your life is that thing that when faith increases, everything in your life that faith is resting upon increases as well. That means more faith equals more love. More faith means more joy. It means more peace, more long-suffering, more gentleness, more goodness, more meekness, more temperance, more righteousness, more holiness, more obedience, more virtue. You get the idea. This could, the list could keep going. But as our faith increases, everything else in our lives, all the Christian graces increase because faith in God and His Word is the foundation of the Christian life. Does that make sense to you? I love it. Now, now that we've learned that faith can increase, it only comes from God, and it improves every area of our lives, let's talk about how do we increase our faith. So the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. So we want to do a Bible study just briefly on, okay, does the Bible tell us what actions we can do that will increase our faith. And the Bible gives us four things that can increase our faith, and I'll give them to you briefly this morning. Let me say number one, how can we increase our faith? Prayer increases our faith. Luke seventeen fifteen, and the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Just as they prayed for increased faith, you and I can pray for increased faith. Well, let me ask you a question. And I want you to do a little bit of self-inspection. How often do you pray for more faith? When's the last time you said, Lord, increase my faith? I fear that this is a prayer that most Christians don't pray. And is there any wonder that our faith doesn't grow as it should? So why not make this re request part of your daily prayers? Put it on your prayer list. Say it every day. Lord, increase my faith. Lord, I want to be like you. I want to trust you more. I want to see the world the way you see it. Lord, increase my faith. Lord, increase my wife's faith. Increase my children's faith. Increase our church's faith. We can pray for increased faith. Do you believe God answers prayers? Of course he does. Then God will answer this prayer for faith. And truly, he wants our faith to increase more than we do. Let me show you another great prayer that's the opposite side of that. Mark chapter 9. Let's go ahead and look at it. Mark chapter 9. If you're following along at home, it's a good idea to have your Bibles out with you and turn to the pages as we do. Mark chapter 9 and verse 24. familiar passage of Scripture during this series, but I want to look at it in this light. Mark chapter 9. You remember the man brings his demon-possessed son to the disciples and, and he wants Jesus to uh, cast him out. He's been this way since he was just a child. In verse 23, Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Now wait a minute. If thou canst believe, if you can believe, 
And here's the great fear we have. Lord, do I believe enough to see you work? I know God wants to do great things in my life, but perhaps I just don't believe in him enough. And here's this man with a demon-possessed son, and he didn't know if he believed enough. He didn't have that answer. And I think you and I today, we don't have that answer. Lord, do I believe enough? I don't know if I believe enough. But Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Which was the answer of the man. Look at verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out. Notice his urgency. He didn't just say this casually. He cried it out. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I don't know if I have enough faith, but I do have faith. So would you look at my faith and not my doubt? Would you help my unbelief? And this is the opposite side of the coin of, Lord, increase our faith. We can also pray, Lord, help my doubt. Lord, decrease my doubt. Increase my faith. And this is a great technique when we pray about anything. When you pray about anything, you can pray both sides of the coin. So we not just pray that God would give us the money to take care of our bills, but we pray that God would give us wisdom to know how to take care of the money He gives us. So you pray both sides of it. We don't just pray for healing. We pray that God would give us wisdom to know how to stay healthy. And so in any of your prayers, you pray both sides of it, and it strengthens the, the, that prayer in your life and in the eyes of God. And so we can not only pray for increased faith, but we can pray for help with our unbelief. And this leads us right into number two. How can we increase our faith? Well, number one, we pray because prayer increases faith. Number two, understanding the power of faith increases our faith. See, when we look at this passage of Scripture, and he says, Lord, I believe, help mine unbelief. What was the answer of God? Mark chapter 9, verse 25, And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. What the man said was enough. The faith the man exhibited was enough. And the man understood something about faith that sometimes we miss. We, we misunderstand the nature of faith. We misunderstand the power of faith. And well, before I get into that, look back at Luke chapter 17 because it's, it's so important. So the response of the Lord when, he, when they said, Lord, increase our faith... Let's look at the first thing he said to them. In verse 6, And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now wait a minute. Why was this the response of Jesus? Because he was teaching them something about faith itself. He was saying, If you understood the nature of faith, if you understood how faith worked, it would increase your faith. What was the Lord saying? It doesn't take a lot of faith to make a big impact. Even a small amount of faith can do the impossible. And when you realize that, you stop worrying so much about the amount of faith. I don't have the faith of D.L. Moody. I don't have the faith of George Mueller. I don't have the faith of the great people of the past. You may not have the faith of somebody else in your life, and maybe your husband or your wife or your preacher or your teacher or whatever. You say, well, Lord, I don't have that kind of faith, so I guess you won't work in my life. And God says, no, that's not how faith works. If you have a small amount of faith, I will still work mightily in your life. And that increases your faith. So now we don't doubt whether we have enough faith. Now we just focus on the faith we have. And isn't that what the man did when he said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. He said, Lord, I don't know if I have enough faith, but I know I have some and I'm acting on the faith that I have. And Jesus said, that's enough for me. 
Isn't that good? Stop worrying about whether you have enough and act on the faith that you have. This truth should encourage our hearts. You don't need a lifetime to acquire vast amounts of faith in order to have God work in your life. You don't need to go to seminary or spend years of suffering to have enough faith for God to move. God will move on the faith you have today if you will act on it. This means that the smallest increase in our faith is life-altering. If my faith would increase in the smallest amount, it's life-changing. It's important to remember that faith is understood by its actions. You can look up all the definitions of faith, and there's a lot of good ones, and we've given you many through this series. But the truth is, faith is really defined by its actions. That's why the Bible said, faith without works is dead. You can say you have faith, but I can't see it. I can't see your faith. And when... when God looks at your heart. He may see saving faith, but the people around you can't see saving faith if you're not acting like a Christian. That's the point that James is making. And you might say, well, I have faith in God, but what are people seeing? I'm talking about now, I'm not talking about saving faith. I'm talking about living by faith. What actions in your life point to the fact that you have faith? Because we can only really understand faith by what it accomplishes. So we should ask for more faith. And we should claim the results. But don't miss this truth. Start living today like you had the faith you wish you had. Stop waiting around for God to beat you over the head with faith. Stop waiting for an angel to show up in your bedroom at night and you see a bright light and he sprinkles some kind of dust on you and all of a sudden you have this faith. That's not how faith works. Faith is like a muscle that needs to be moved. Faith is not something that happens to you. Faith is something that you exercise. And just like going to the gym and working out, your muscles grow under strain. They grow as they are worked and your faith grows when it is exercised. So when you put faith in the little things, your faith grows, and eventually you're putting faith in the big things. But as long as we sit around waiting for God to do something to us, our faith won't grow. So the key is we act on the faith we have today. What does God want you to do that you're not doing? What would you do if you had enough faith to do it? Well, the secret the devil doesn't want you to know is if you do it, that means you had the faith to do it. Does that make sense? A lack of faith is evidenced by the absence of action. The presence of faith is proven by acts of faith. Choose to trust God today. Just choose to trust Him. Choose to trust Him without knowing all the details. Commit to following Him without knowing how it's all going to work out. Do right when you can't see the end of the path. Trust Him. And you might be surprised how much faith you have or what God is able to do with the little faith you have. And see, this grows our faith. So how do we grow our faith? First thing is we pray for more faith. Lord, increase our faith. The second thing is we begin to understand the power of faith and how faith works. It's not the lack of faith that God looks at. It's the amount of faith. And even the smallest faith can do miracles. So we exercise the faith we have rather than lamenting the faith we don't. Let me say number three, how do we increase our faith? <clears throat> Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, the Bible teaches us that hearing the word of God increases our faith. 
Hearing the word of God increases our faith. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, of course, you can't put saving faith in Christ until you hear the gospel, correct? How shall they hear without a preacher, it says in this context. There has to be someone giving the gospel so we can hear the gospel, so we can act on the gospel, and that we get our saving faith. We put our faith in Christ. But the same thing is true. The same principle is true in the rest of our lives. Hearing the word of God increases our faith. Hearing what God can do increases our faith. Hearing the stories of what God has done for others increases our faith. Learning the Bible doctrines of who God is and what God does and why he does what he does, what God likes, what he doesn't like, what, God, uh, what pleases God, what displeases Him, how to have His favor, how to, how to have His wrath, how to go to heaven, how not, how to teach other people. The more you learn about the Bible, your faith grows and grows and grows and grows. And then you keep acting on the little bit of faith you get. So you're going to hear something from this message that hopefully you didn't know before or that God reminded you of. So now you act on that faith. And what happens? Your faith grows. Hearing the word of God increases our faith. I think any way that we can ingest the Bible is good. I think we ought to read our Bibles. Amen. We encourage you uh, every week here to read your Bible. We have a reading schedule that we've recommended every year. This year we're doing the five-day reading plan, and many of you are following that. If you don't, you can find it online, or we have copies here at the church. But read your Bible every day, every single day at least a chapter a day. If you're not reading a chapter a day, you are stunting your growth. You are hurting yourself. You are hurting your family because your faith isn't going to grow if you're not getting the Word of God in your life. And then, if you really want to get with it, read four chapters a day and you'll read the Bible every year. Four chapters a day talking to somebody recently and we were joking and these new gaming consoles they they talk about they record how long you play and so there was this one game where this one person I was talking to they said that they had played this one game in the last year or so for over 2,000 hours 2,000 hours That's one game. I said, did you know it takes about 84 hours to read your Bible? You could have read your Bible through over 20 times. I don't have time to read the Bible. (laughs) But how much TV do we watch? How many games do we play? How much recreation do we do? How much do we sleep? The truth is that we have the time to do what we want to do. And you make things a priority. We have time to eat. Let's eat spiritually. And so there is a place for the Bible reading to take place in your life. Make time for it. But I want you to notice that this verse doesn't talk about reading the Bible. This verse talks about hearing the Bible, and there is a difference. There is science behind hearing God's Word. Here's a quote from a study done by the, well, this is from a book publishing company wanting you to listen to audiobooks, but they cite a study conducted by the Journal of Verbal Learning and Verbal Behavior found that our brains are actually more likely to create meaningful imagery when we listen to a story as opposed to when it's read in traditional format because it allows more room for our brain's visual processes to kick in gear. And there's more we could say about that, but I think it's so interesting. Once again, God was light years ahead of the science of our time. 
God says, yes, read the Bible in other portions. Meditate on it. Hide it in your heart. But hear it. Because hearing makes your brain function in a specific way that allows you to capture the context of the Bible and absorb vast amounts of the Bible in context. I believe the reading is beneficial. And reading is active while hearing is passive, and they both have their place. For example, an audiobook will keep going even if your mind wanders. But your reading requires attention and builds your ability to focus. So some people say, well, preacher, I can't read the Bible because I can't focus. And I say you can't focus because you never learned to read. Reading flexes that focus muscle. It makes you pay attention to the page. And all of us have done this where you've read, but your mind wandered, so you had to go back and start the chapter over, and your mind wandered. You had to go back and start the chapter over. But it teaches you to focus. They, science also teaches us that reading is best for technical material. Uh, to ingest harder to understand concepts or the details. So reading the Bible is great for study. It's great for digging into the details. But hearing the Bible allows you to absorb it in context and it gets the imagery of the mind going and your mind is playing the story as you're listening to it. They both have their place. I think we ought to make time to read the Bible. We ought to make time to hear the Bible. The most effective way is to read the Bible while listening to it. And here's a little trick for those of you that have a hard time reading your Bible. In almost every Bible app, there is a free way for you to listen to the Bible. So when you go to read your chapter, turn on and listen to the Bible while your eyes are following along. The person reading the Bible will set the pace and the cadence for your reading, but you looking at the words will make sure that your attention stays fixed and you're getting the full input of the Word of God. If you've not tried that, try it. It's a very powerful way to hear the Word of God, especially if you consider yourself a slow reader or you have trouble reading or you have trouble with Bible words or whatever. It's a powerful way to learn how to do this. Now, one way that this might work is a schedule kind of like this. In the morning, during your morning time with God, read the Bible while listening to it during, during your morning devotions. And then sometime during the day, you can listen to the audio Bible or preaching in the car or while using your headphones. And then perhaps you read a little bit of your Bible at lunch or at night, just read a little bit of it. You're getting a full complement of this in your life. You say, Pastor, that seems awful complicated. Well, not if you want faith. The Bible says you want to build your faith, it's by hearing the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God also includes preaching. And nothing in your life can replace preaching. And I've got some verses on that, but we will save those for another time. So preaching, listening to preaching increases your faith. And preaching will actually do more to teach you what the Bible means than reading it or listening to it. Because all of us read chapters and we we don't understand quite what that verse means. Well, when, when a preacher gets up and preaches, they do like Ezra did, where they read in the law of God and they give the sense and cause people to understand. And so the best way to ingest preaching is by, or to ingest the Bible and just get it in you is by reading and listening to it. The best way to understand the Bible is by listening to preaching. And all of that will increase your faith. Let me give you this last one about how to increase your faith. We talked about prayer. We talked about understanding the nature of faith. We talked about hearing the word of God. And lastly, prayer and fasting increases our faith. Look at Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, prayer and fasting <clears throat> increases our faith. Now, nowadays when a preacher mentions fasting, uh, some people's eyes glaze over, you know, the the eyes rolling back of the head, you just kind of shut things off as you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. I'm not talking about fasting at this moment, but I am saying that there ought to be a place in your life for fasting. And fasting and prayer is one of the quickest ways for you to just cut through all the fog of your life and focus on God. Matthew chapter 17, and look at 
verse 19, Jesus had just healed someone the disciples couldn't heal. And then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Now see, again, Jesus is trying to teach them the nature of faith and how faith works. But then he says uh, something else, verse 21, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So this kind of evil spirit, this kind of, of demon needed an extra oomph of power that you didn't have and you're really only going to get that level of spirituality through prayer and fasting. So there is a level of the Christian life that you will never reach until you learn to fast. Now fasting is a lost Bible doctrine and certainly lost in practice. Fasting is basically abstaining from food. It's going without food. It can be expanded out certain types of fasting, not traditional fasting. Traditional fasting is food and water, but you can expand a fast into other pleasurable activities, Isaiah 58 tells us, where you can not do something you would enjoy and pray instead. That is a type of fasting. Now, fasting has powerful effects on the mind and body. Don't miss this. Fasting is one of the few physical things you can do that touch the entire trinity of man. Body, soul, and spirit, fasting affects them all. Another one is music. That's one reason why music is so powerful. Music will either draw you to God or drive you from Him because music touches on body, soul, and spirit. It's very powerful. Fasting, likewise, is very powerful. There's nothing quite like it on the planet that you can do prayer and fasting. Fasting humbles the soul, the Bible tells us, Psalm 35, 13. Fasting afflicts the body and strengthens the will, Psalm 69, 10 tells us. Fasting draws us closer to God, Isaiah 58, verses 8 and 9 tells us. Fasting cuts through the fog of this world. It, it just it weakens the body. And it's amazing how you can go from being proud and feeling like you've got everything under control and you go a couple days without food and you're a whining mess. It just, it just cuts away all the fluff. It cuts away all the parts that we rely on that aren't real. You don't think you need God? Go without food for four or five days. Drink water for two or three days. I guarantee you, you'll learn how to pray. And it's such a simple tool. But it's one that's lost. Fasting weakens the flesh. A proud heart and rebellious tendencies wane when we're confronted with the weakness of our physical being. Fasting detoxifies us from worldliness, putting the spotlight on God. The fog of worldly confusion lifts as we see us for who we are and we see God for who He is. And there's no more pretense. There's no more pretending. As our body and our flesh cries out for the things of this world, we're reminded of how little we long for God. As our body begs for food and for something to taste good, we're confronted with how little we desire God's presence. I see, fasting and prayer is the shortcut to humbling to weakness, and to faith. There's so few practice it. So we cry with the disciples this morning, Lord, increase our faith. We have some faith. We acknowledge our faith isn't what it should be. And Lord, we need more faith to do what you're asking us to do, to live like you. So, Lord, increase our faith. And how do we get more faith? We pray for it. We understand how it works. It doesn't take a lot of faith. 
act on what you have and your faith will grow. And we hear God's word through preaching and the word of God and we fast and pray. If you want your faith to grow, look at your life and say, I'm going to make time for each of these things. Some of you right now, when you're not working as much, is a great time for you to fast. I think that every quarter, every three months, a Christian would be bettered, would be wise, if they would schedule some time of fasting at least every three months. You could fast every week by at least fasting a meal. Is there a day when you could say, okay, I'm not going to eat lunch this day because I'm going to pray instead, or I'm not going to eat dinner this day because I'm going to pray instead? It can be done. What will happen is your faith will grow. My prayer is that through this lesson series and through the things that are going on around us that our faith would increase. Amen? And Lord, increase our faith. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the time that we've set aside. Pray that you'd help us to increase our faith. These are deep concepts we're talking about. Thank you for saving faith. But Lord, help our faith to grow beyond that and help us to be more like you because of our faith. Pray that you'd protect our church family, all those under the sound of my voice. Pray that you would provide for them as many are struggling. Thank you that a large portion of our church, we're just a blue-collar church, large portion of our church is still working at least somebody in the house is working and we're thankful for that but we pray you'd provide and protect and lord we do pray for our shut-ins as well that you would continue to be with them and watch over them bring us back safely this evening in our live stream at 6 p.m we pray in jesus name